0: one love
1: okay thanks for tuning in to us the m&m show, M&M.
0: M&M, M&M. show. <laughs> what's up what's up welcome back to another fresh edition of the m M&M and show i'm nikki mg and i am here with the one and only molly what's good molly What up How you doing today? And we got the one and only Miss J mills. J
1: J mills.
0: That's right, y'all. And uh, we're super excited to be back here with you. Thanks for tuning in today. We're going to be talking about startup business. All of us here are entrepreneurs at uh, different stages. And uh, we're all women. And we're all doing different things. So I want to talk about that and get to know y'all a little bit more why you uh, started and are doing what you do and how you did it and what your challenges are. Is that cool with y'all? Cute. Yes, ma'am.
1: All right, totally.
0: And then we're going to. Have a drink, J Mills? You know, we're going to have some drinks. have a nip of your whiskey. (laughs) We're going to talk about. said
1: drink and nip and (laughs) Mills. (laughs) Sorry. G-words. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> it's
0: getting live already. So, um, great. And y'all know the deal. We'll be talking about some news, some business shout-outs later on. And we'll be getting metaphysical, <coughs> as per usual, one yes. of my favorite parts of this show.
2: You drinking with me, Jamie? Don't let us interrupt you. Keep
0: talking. Well, I didn't want to miss the Cheers. beverage enjoyment. <laughs> if this- you're
2: If you're at home or in your office ahead and pull out that secret bottle you got in the third drawer because you know you hate your job and join <laughs> us join us for a drink yes cheers we
1: start off with a drink we should mm-hmm. make this a
2: show ritual we, we should start off
1: with drinks actually Jay
2: mills poured me a two and a half ounce shot yeah. but i'm uh, this is my
1: favorite liquor as you see <laughs> by the brand it's what i drink all day every day dc is dc as fuck oh jesus and that was a hard f <laughs>
0: So <laughs> you can't tell my discomfort right now. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah. Anyway, how's that feel going down, ladies? Like home, like you home. Know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Reminds me of my childhood. All right, good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. Um, so let's get into this. Uh, let's talk about business. Um, J
1: Mills. Yo.
0: Miss DC as fuck all day every day. One day every day. Hashtag pass the J. Hashtag pass the J. So you're an entrepreneur. I am. And how long have you been an entrepreneur?
1: <laughs> oh, let my mother tell us since elementary school.
0: Since elementary school. So what did you first start off uh, hustling or selling or offering?
1: I've been hustling rocks. Like now nah, I was selling candy. <laughs> I mean, which candy? is kind of like crack for kids, you know. It right? is. It was kitty crack, it's aka just as disrupt- candy.
0: Now, were you doing like you know selling the? I was selling the hard candy, yo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you used to have the box. None of like. that
1: soft, nah.
0: So, what kind of ca- what kind of candy? Pixie sticks. <laughs> pixie sticks. <laughs> so, how did this operation, pixie stick operation, work? As it was person? a
1: steal, because I would. I forget how much a bag of like a hundred Pixie Sticks were, mm-hmm. but selling a Pixie Stick for ten cents or twenty five cents is quite a profit. Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the bag is just a couple dollars. James yeah.
2: flipping two fifty on a bag of <laughs> sticks. Fourth grade. <laughs>
1: That's, you know, that's it amazing. was it was crazy. Then I ha- then I expanded from pixie sticks to the dipping sticks. Remember those? <laughs> I love Remember those. pop rocks still stuff? today. Yeah, basically you
2: prepared people for the cocaine habit that they would <laughs> you pick know, up. In I didn't 20. even think about what
1: <laughs> I was sticking with. But You're
2: like powdered things will make you feel good. Indulge. <laughs> mm,
1: there might be a truth to that. Someone yeah. did try to sniff it. I don't know where we got this from. Oh, I mean, wow. doesn't
2: every kid try to sniff? sniff? <laughs> Uh, I did think no. that was kind of a
1: universal thing You didn't know anybody that ever tried to sniff a, pix- a pixie stick
2: Come on You didn't have that kid in class It was a total fucking I idiot I think I did
0: <laughs> And it might have been me And I, oh, may no. blacked, no. I may have blacked
1: that out Until we just <laughs> brought it out I just want to put the sugar on my brain The Eminem show bringing out
2: truths <laughs> oh, shit. Since 2017 So Ba-da. you were hustling And blow pops
1: so mm-hmm. you were hustling blow bops. Uh, Seriously, delicious hard this is hard like candy. a cocaine <laughs> like
2: Blow bops. Oh, you I can't make this up. Those it's were great. the things.
1: And then crybabies. It's all coming back to me now. Mm-hmm. And I got in trouble. I got caught up in elementary. I got caught up again <laughs> in middle school. And then in middle school slash, that was that was when we first realized <laughs> what was going on. Shout out to my friend Charday. Shout-outs to Chardet Harris. Shout-outs to Potomac Landing. Shout-outs to Eugene Burroughs Middle School. But um, she she had this random liquor store, storage, because... uh, At the school? No, no, in her house. <laughs> okay, I'm uh, like, wait a minute. What's going on and here? In the janitor's <laughs> Liquors. It was a business for just a little bit, but it was so cranked out. Oh, my gosh. This is horrible. I just have to share it, though, because I'm thinking about, like, where did I start this hustle and the right, love like- of... Was having my own business and making money. So this was a major gray. inspiration. Yeah, man. In your community, it 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 started an interesting thing of just being the party, being being the life of the party, and and pushing the line of what is allowed.
0: <laughs> it, it was it so. Was it bad. started off with candy.
1: Yeah, and, and then and then it went to alcohol. So you were selling. You were. We would spike the fruitopius. <laughs> okay okay <laughs> shout outs to those fruitopias they don't even make that anymore no, no they don't so then you would be
0: selling the fruitopias that's what they do in brooklyn
2: right they like make those juices and they just punch them with alcohol hell buy, yeah like, and you buy them on the stuff. street and stuff yeah and you can just like pregame just on the stuff. way to the
0: club yep i love those people we should um, start doing that here hey man we're needed I-, I met a check a chick here, actually, that came through from New Jersey was doing that here at Dude, I mean, at oh there. yeah. Why well, did I not know you weren't here that day? Oh, man, I miss all the good stuff. That sucks. <clears throat> so, so you were um, selling candy drinks to your peers. Yes. Other adults as well, or no, no, no. That's when it
1: got shut down. Mm-hmm. Adults, adults got hip, and mm-hmm. um, so when it came to. <laughs> the music industry and me getting into music when I was 18, I already had this kind of hustler spirit mm-hmm. and this idea of of working for myself. You know, I always was, I've been focused on what I wanted to do, you know, not anyone else's dream. That's so dope.
0: I don't think, I, I mean, I'm not sure. I clearly can't speak for all people, but I'm not sure that a lot of people have that clarity, that young on that I want to work for me. Um, a lot of people think, "Oh, I'm gonna get my first job at so and so," you know, like the I did. Store. You know, just to get started, they don't even have the first thought. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and just start a business.
1: Um, so, uh, you know, J Mills, man. Yeah, man. So, <laughs> yes. 80s Baby J Productions Mills. established 2005 when I was 20. Um, that's my first business. Uh, after that, uh, my next business would be. So what? Wait, wait, wait. What was Eighties babies Productions about? Was that party party business, party planning? Um, it's what my uh, ASCAP business, my publishing company, is under, and it also is what my events that are not charity related and whatnot would fall under. Okay, it's what you know, all of my music, my branding things, mm-hmm. they fall under Eighties Baby Productions.
0: Okay, okay. So, um, what would you say were um, the qualities or the skills that you possess that enabled you to start that and
1: have it grow? Um, it's that, that's a great question because it's it's one of the things that I guess has given me longevity and allowed my my brand to continue to grow. Is um understanding business, period. And part of understanding business is understanding all the people that are needed to do the business well. And I think that many people make the mistake of either one, not knowing all the different jobs that are needed, that need to be done. So they either overwork themselves or they overlook crucial parts of of what it is. So for an artist, for me going to school for business, going to Howard for marketing, radio, TV, um, and film, and then going to Omega for pro tools engineering it it taught me all the different aspects of what it takes to put on a show um i worked at crampton as one of the um head engineers there i was the monitor engineer i also was front of house engineer for chapel so you know just doing that and seeing exactly what it takes Mm -hmm. uh, knowing everything from the lighting designers to the stage managers to in building it and working it and yes. knowing how long it actually takes and being on the work side. So I know how much we can BS. I know how long it really takes versus how long it says it'll take. Right. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. everything engineering, the bit, ba- like there's so much, the writer, you know, so many artists, if they don't know <clears throat> and you let somebody else do it and you don't know anything about lighting design, or costumes or makeup or stage and you're just like I want to do this I want to do that and they're like yeah 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 and it's time to get paid and you get zero money because your lights cost $75,000 a show like you know your costumes and your makeup and this live band and the moving this and all of these different things so you know for me and starting a production company one having these different connections from being you know behind the scenes and now having my own production company to use these different stage folks to put on great shows and use the connections with the venues to not just put myself on but as many different people as i can <clears throat> on mm-hmm. um so yeah so you gotta know how to who to pick so <laughs> and all the
0: jobs that need to be done what i'm hearing uh in from you your wisdom is that one you you had an entrepreneurial spirit to start off with but two um with your production company you put the time in to learn each of the different positions or facets of the business before you tried to run your own company by yourself right and in that process you learned the skills and the kind of Uh, qualities that other people need in order to make those different pieces work properly
1: yeah they always say you know jack of all trades is the master of none so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for me it was just if i'm if i'm the artist if that's what my my biggest art is you know first figuring out what am i the master of and then learning how to step outside of myself and let the masters work like yeah Mm -hmm. i may know how to do it but that's not my mastery right that's not what i do so I'm going to go ahead and let the videographer do the videos. I'm going to let my engineer mix my projects, but I know how to pick a, a great engineer because mm-hmm. I'm a great engineer. You and know? give them direction too, exactly. right?
0: And communicate in the appropriate language. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm, so.
0: mm-hmm. Word well well
2: up. Well said, J-Mills.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Um, we're going to yeah, come I'm back lying. to you. I want to talk a little <laughs> bit to Molly. Um so Molly, when did you uh when did your entrepreneurial spirit start? Were you hustling um in elementary school? <laughs> yeah, I was selling kids all the
2: drugs and I am no, just kidding. Um, no, I went to a Catholic <laughs> elementary school. It was like super super small, but uh you know, I was just thinking about it when Jay was talking. Uh and it was uh 1984. And I really wanted one of those stack radio systems with like a amplifier and the a tape deck <laughs> and, a, yeah. and a thing.
1: The kind that came behind the glass that you had to push yes. on to open?
2: Yes. Yes. With a double tape deck so yes. I could get my mixtape jam. Got to have
1: the double tape Absolutely. deck. Absolutely. I was
2: about that radio tape like Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: But this would give me a CD, like not CD player, but a turntable yeah, and a double player. tape deck and a radio, a radios, you know?
0: Your own system,
2: <clears throat> yes, and it was 250 bucks. Mm-hmm. That was a lot at Circuit City. I was yeah, nine. It was nine. It was nine. I mean, that's a lot now. Oh, no, it was a <laughs> rack system, and it had these two tall like tower speakers. You it know, like the thing was like four feet tall. And the two speakers that came with it were just as big. It was a contrast. And my bedroom was, like, the size of this room, <laughs> you know? Them and pens- yeah. it was still
1: work to this day, though. Yes. If your folks got one, Straight I bet up. you it still playing. Yeah, things Straight were up. Made
2: better back then. Exactly. Like, and, uh, yeah, I was in the, Me and my, my sister somehow convinced me. I don't know. I got totally hoodwinked into, like, switching bedrooms with my sister and ended up with, like, a pink bedroom. So I had this, like, killer sound system in this pink bedroom. But anyway, so my parents were, like... <clears> or <throat> my mom was, like, I'll tell you what. If you make up like half the money will match it and it was in the middle of winter and there was a snowstorm outside and I really really wanted this stereo system so I got a bucket and all these cleaning supplies and I went down my block and I knocked on doors and I offered to wash people's cars and clean them inside and out for 20 bucks because there had been a snowstorm so everybody's car was covered in salt (laughs) and I fucking washed six cars that day and came back with 120 bucks and my parents drove me to circuit city and I bought that shit and they were just like, you did what? Like they couldn't believe that, uh, that's, I mean, you know, shows a little bit of concern that they didn't notice that I was gone for that long, (laughs) but whatever, that's another episode. But yeah, I came back with all the money and they took me to circuit city. I think that was the first time that I connected the dots between, uh, what was available to me and then how to turn that into something else. Mhm. But it it was based it rooted in work. Like I worked. Mm-hmm. I didn't like hustle anybody. There was no really great <clears throat> profit margin or anything. I just worked. I mean, I went down in the fucking cold ass snow and like legit wash people's cars well. So you
0: had the entrepreneur spirit, you but more so like not like I'm just trying to get money. I'm there's I have a goal and I'm going to get to that goal no matter what.
2: And I was like I can wash cars. I can you, so you did what? What did you knew what how I to do. do. And my neighbors were probably like, "Fuck it, yeah." I mean, if some kid came to like if the neighbor came came to my door and asked to wash my car, I would let him. Yeah. But, I mean, instead of having to go wait in line at the gas station. So or, that
0: was your first entrepreneurial. Yeah, uh, that was the first.
2: That's my first memory of that. But I mean, I never really. Uh, I don't know. I grew up in a household that did like a lot of parties and events, like just that kind of like vibe. Um, uh, and so like that atmosphere was really normal. Mm-hmm. But I never realized, uh, I didn't really know that I had the entrepreneurial spirit until one well, not passive massive on.
0: So how did you know? What, what did the universe tell you at that moment?
2: I mean, I don't think it was really that. It was just like, you know, I, I, I got into real estate finance when I was really young because um, I moved out at 17 and I never went back home. And so I had to have jobs that could support me. Uh, and I really enjoyed the challenge of real estate finance. I was really good at it at a very young age.
0: How did you... How Tell us more about that, because you're always talking about it, but I have no idea, like, the story of how you got into that as a 17-year-old. Like, what happened? Well, I was
2: 19 when I got my first job. So I left home at 17. I went to college, um... I got accepted into college begrud- begrudgingly. I really didn't want to go. I just kind of wanted to get out of my parents' house. but uh, As many of us do. Where'd you go? <laughs> George Mason University, which was a huge mistake because it was like way too close to home, and it's not a real college, especially in 1993. It was like 20,000 kids went there, and like 2,000 of them lived on campus. So it was the weirdest on-campus experience, and my roommate never showed up. And so I missed every single one of my classes like from Jump Street. So I had failed out before the semester was a month in. i'd already like i should have never gone you okay know? i should have never gone
0: so I, <clears throat> you didn't graduate you went for a semester or two yeah no
2: i went for a semester and a month before finals and a week before the check was due i fucking dipped you know mm-hmm. and i got a job in uh... Um, boston as a living nanny uh... and <clears throat> Well, I'm, I'm also certified there to be wasn't... a preschool teacher. I have 500 classroom hours with special needs kids. But so. there
0: wasn't Craigslist, I don't think, at the time. So how did you come <clears throat> across a nanny job in It was in super crazy. So
2: I got the yellow pages. Oh, my God. Because it was 1993. It was a whole different. <laughs>
0: Dinosaur wow. time. I mean, it was a great year for hip-hop,
2: though. Like, we were killing it. My whole high school and, like, early college experience was full of great, amazing music. Okay. That the, was 89, 91, 92, 93. Stop. But I digress. No, I got, I looked up nanny agencies and I made some phone calls out of the yellow pages before I went up there and landed a couple interviews because I had the credentials to be a preschool teacher, even at 18 in a month. So I graduated when I was seven. Okay. So yeah, I went up there and I got a job up there and uh, I called my parents. I was like, I failed out of George Mason I'm sorry for wasting your money. I tried to tell you for the last six months.
0: And, you know, I will
2: no longer be a burden. And I never went back home.
0: And so then you became a nanny. So I stayed
2: in Boston. I was a nanny for six months. And then I came back. And then I got a job, again, as another living nanny. And then after that, I got a job, um... In Tyson's Corner, working at a real estate or a mortgage broker uh, with a bunch of Persians, and it was just me and a whole group of Persians, and I was the receptionist. Yeah. um, You were the receptionist.
0: I was the receptionist. Okay, because I was like, how do you go from nannying, like, how do you make that, like, major career jump? So you started off at the entry level. At the entry level. Well, and I should also mention
2: that I had my first spinal surgery at 19, and that definitely, like, knocked me down for quite a bit, so I had to, like, really reinvent myself so I was willing to do whatever it took and so Mm -hmm. I got a job as a receptionist and I was actually living in my car in the parking garage Uh, and so I would work until 8 o'clock at night and everybody would go home and I would go out and sleep in the car and then I would go in before everybody else and wash up and you know wash my face and shit and then go into work and so I did that for I had that job for like a year or two Um, but about two months into the job because I was asking a lot of questions they Fired the loan processor and promoted me, and I closed every loan they had. They closed like four loans a month, and I closed 19. Like my first month as a processor. Okay. And just crushed it. So from there, my real estate career, you know, took off because I fucking crushed it.
1: Did they ever discover that you were sleeping? No. No. Sneaky
2: Molly. I mean, Tyson's Corner is like a ghost town after a certain point in time. You know what I mean? Like, it was like all the way down. In oh, no, the I know What you
1: mean? I'm in an abandoned mall right now. <clears throat> oh, right. Nobody knows.
2: Yeah, nobody knows. So nobody how
0: knows.
1: how long before
0: you were able to get your own place? You were crushing it. Then I. Yeah, but they didn't they... pay
2: me for crushing it. In fact, like the boss told me, he would give me like a hundred dollars for every loan I closed, and then he like tried to not pay me. Like it's like, dude, I just made you like thirty fucking thousand dollars, and you're not trying to give me twelve hundred. Like fuck you, you know. Yeah. and that's kind of how that job ended. Was me being like, "Fuck you," not right then, but shortly mm-hmm. after. It's funny because to this, like, even like a couple years ago, he was like, "Hey, you're coming back?" I'm like, "No, man,
0: you're
1: never." Weird <laughs> motherfucker.
2: Why would you think that? Like,
1: like that. That industry is a lot like law with real estate agents. I've I've worked with a real estate agent before, and now it's just dawning on me after taking these random law classes, you know, that you ha- you gotta get it when it happens. Yeah, because after. It has happened. It's too late.
2: Well, and I was in it. I was there at the birth of subprime lending.
1: Oh, boy. So you was closing left and right.
2: I got stories. I used to close 30 deals a month. So, like, my last job in the business was working for a company. I had the biggest office in the company. I had dreads. I would come in high as shit every day. I was living in Alexandria, and the job was in Maryland. And I would come in. I had dry erase boards all around me just, like, downstairs. And I would like close thirty loans a month easily. I was making like six different people thirty grand a month and the company like two hundred and forty grand a month on average.
1: Yeah, they, they definitely were supposed to break you off, but that they also
2: they didn't. They paid me like twenty six grand. A simple a piece year. of paper. A year. When
1: you're the one that's closing it, like, oh, yeah. before I close this loan. Then you know, they just
2: fire you. But I mean I was also super young, living on my own, no family support, yeah. going through surgeries, dealing with shit, trying to survive, you Whole know what time- I mean?
1: You're a boss now. We're so we're just. This is the real estate mogul years. I didn't even know about that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, back. not okay. a mogul. Mogul. Was, I'm like, doesn't really like, sound like, like a like 30 a fucking loans a month. That's like but, kind But of I was a processor. Dope, I
2: was a processor.
1: Okay, so you processed, but med. I crushed it. You I was crushed, crushed. it. I used to
2: scan like the loan process docs and fucking type them in. And this is before people did that shit. That was next level. I would submit loan package. I would still have to copy three copies of them, hundreds of pieces. And I would overnight them, and I would, like, did I killed it. I would draw pictures of me jumping off of, like, cliffs and stick figures on, like, fax cover sheets to the underwriters or, like, tell them jokes as soon as they answered the phone, and, like, I made them all love me, and I made miracles happen all the time, you know what I mean? Like, saved the day, getting deals closed, getting certificate of occupancies from builders, getting Bank of America to give you a fucking deposit at Friday at 7 o'clock. I mean, I, like, like, my boss would come in the office and be like, I don't know what you're doing, but, like, please don't stop, and give me, like, the keys to his Jeep, and then, like, another loan officer would come in and give me, like, a gallon of whiskey, and they'd be like, we got you and your boyfriend a hotel room for the weekend at the beach, like, go have fun. Because, I mean, I, you know, they sh- I should have been like, fuck that, pay me, you know what I mean? But I was young, and I was enjoying myself, because I, you know, I enjoy yeah. that. I enjoy that, like, hustle, you know. Yeah. Mostly because I was dealing with families and people, so for me, I was helping... The Smiths get into their house. I was helping, you know what I'm saying? Like
0: Yeah, I feel like this is a whole topic for another show because yeah. I'm actually very ignorant about how that whole, the whole, I'm ignorant about the whole real estate game. So you know? what were the problems that you were aware of or that really inspired you to pivot your life? Um, and take your entrepreneurial spirit and skills. Well, it wasn't necessarily a pivot because I always did good things for people, and I always connected with people
2: the same way I, I mean, do now.
0: Pivot career direction. It was just more. Um, <laughs> well, I uh,
2: broke my neck in 2016. I was working a bartending job uh, on the weekends, uh, and while I was working in the mortgage industry. And uh, I broke my neck bartending. I snapped a huge piece of vertebrae off in my uh, in my spine in my neck, and I ended up uh, in the hospital. And I had neck surgery at 31, uh, and then I uh, definitely had PTSD for about a year because it was a very unexpected thing. I didn't, you know, I just literally wore it down from pouring drinks and shit. In my neck snapped, so. Wait, um, what? That's crazy. Yeah, well, I was born with a rare shit, and my bones are hella weak. And so, like, you know, when you're bartending, you're, like, looking up a lot. And, like, you pick a lot of heavy... Like, it's a lot of pressure on your neck. And, and if you have a strong neck, you won't realize it. But, like, I don't. And so, a piece of vertebrae snapped off and moved. It was the most pain I've ever experienced in my life. I went to the ER, like, three times in a week. And then they finally admitted me and did surgery the day before my 31st birthday.
0: Did Did you have... you? So, you were bartending. Did I... am Wondering, did you have health insurance at the time? Uh, yes,
2: I did have health insurance through the mortgage job. I was paying for that. Um, and so, yeah, I had that surgery, and then I definitely had, like, PTSD, and I, like, kind of reconnected with my family a little bit, and my dad was like, you're going to bankrupt the whole family with your spine. You should get a regular job with insurance. Um, and I listened to him, you know, as we often, you know, internalize our parents or people who mean well,s like, terrible things that they say and so I got a job that I really didn't want as a receptionist in a real estate company because I could get insurance and three weeks into the job I was rear ended going to work and it uh, loosened the, you know, it was like literally a year to the day of the surgery and I she hit me so hard that I hit the car in front of me and the car in front of it and the car in front of it and then she like hit me again and I hit the car in front of me and the car in front of it and uh, it totally fucked up all the previous surgery so i had uh i went back to the same doctor and he like didn't listen to me for like three years so i had three herniated discs in my neck for two and a half years and i went through all this therapy and i was like on meds not taking any meds like i went to the health food store that's when i got hip to like probiotics and like anything that's not a fucking pill because i've never liked that shit i've always hated it and um damn yo yeah and i uh I went, and I got an MRI, and I took it to my doctor, and he was super pissed, and he was like, there's nothing wrong with you, this is how your life is going to be, just get used to it, I'm releasing you from my care. And I took the MRI to three other doctors, and they were like, sit down, we need to operate immediately. And so I went with a doctor that I thought was the best one, and I, that was the last neck surgery I had in 2009. Thank God. And so it was really that uh, period between 2006 and
0: 2009
2: where mm. I... Uh, had to tackle the fact that I only got rear-ended because I was in a position because I listened to somebody who told me I would bankrupt my entire family uh... which I hadn't seen since seventeen so you know I realized don't listen to anybody else parents are not like you know we are the you know you are the captain of your own ship period you know and you should always do like what you know is best for yourself like no matter who else is telling you otherwise And uh. It was after coming out. I mean, I, I was, you know, didn't want to live. Every day I would wake up like, "Fuck! Like I can't believe I'm still here." Like I was in so much fucking pain. I had three herniated discs in my neck for two and a half years. I mean, it fucking spun me sideways, you know. Uh, and it was coming out of that that uh, like I accidentally got roped into throwing this party because somebody set it up at Science Club, and bailed, and it was I used my to work DJ. There. Yeah, and that's how Drop in Science at Science started, and I just kept it going, and I, like, came out of this fog, you know, and that's when I really decided, like, you know, you can open up the newspaper or your phone and find, like, a hundred fucking things to be, like, legitimately upset about. Refugee children, fucking injustice for black people. I mean, like, I don't even want to start because, like, it'll overwhelm me again, but, like, there's so many things tearing us apart daily, and I felt this in 2009, you know? And and uh I just felt like we needed more things to bring people together. And like music brings people together, you know? It's company tagline. Good music, good people, good times.
1: One love. One love,
2: man. You know, one love, one heart, one destiny. Like mm-hmm. we are all one. And that's what I believe, mm-hmm. you know? And that's what I've always believed. I listened to a lot of Bob Marley in those years throughout my whole life looking for guidance. And so it definitely resonated into like my moral code, you mm-hmm. know? Mhm. Um And that's when I decided to put it all in. And I mean, I definitely was in a fog, 2009, 10, some of 11, I mean, all those surgeries, all that anesthesia, all that pain, all that like wanting to die every fucking day really kind of puts a (laughs) heavy cloud over you. Uh, But it was through connecting with my community, doing events, getting the love and support of the community for One Love and just like watching it blossom and grow and then coming more out of the fog, and then taking all the things that I learned in real estate finance, which ultimately is just that anything is possible. That's what I learned in real estate finance. Anything is possible. Mhm. That really is everything yeah. I learned in real estate finance. Yeah. Anything is possible, and so I applied that to One Love Massive, and now here we are. So it's kind of a long story, but.
0: Well, I want to take a moment just to thank you for sharing. Um, Your personal experiences, uh, your traumas and what you went through, Um, you know, part of the reason that I was excited to do this show in particular was so that we could have real conversations um, about what people really go through, what we're really going through and what we've learned through it and how we have got to this place um, and how we can model um, how to have difficult conversations about real things. Real shit. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and like still be okay. Because yeah. a lot of people I feel like like there's people in my family that can't verbalize some of their pain, you know? And like being able to verbalize what we go through builds understanding. Most definitely. And under having understanding creates room for Love for patience yeah. and allies for tolerance for allies, exactly. Self
2: love for other people. You know, I'm very open about all of my shit because you know, people need to understand that like what glitters is not always gold, you know, and nobody has it easy. <laughs> but mostly because we're all suffering nobody out here has it easy right everyone is suffering for their own reason and maybe maybe it's a reason that you can not relate to or maybe that doesn't affect you but like everyone is suffering man Like, there everyone has ptsd from this world everyone is insecure everyone everyone is fucked up and i feel like when you share those things more you know what I mean? It makes it easier to like Mm -hmm. show empathy towards each other. It's like, dude, we're all the same, man. Like we're, we're all one from from the struggle to the fucking victory, man. We are all one, you know, like we are not getting the same shakedown, but like at the core in our souls, we are all one, you know what I mean? So I feel like, you know, sharing that information with people, it helps, you know, like it helps to um, strengthen other people because I think in this world we we're taught to, to think that like everyone else has it easier somehow or like the other woman has more confidence about her body than I do or you know whatever we just always think it's like like we're the only ones feeling this struggle and it's like it's it's not like it's universal in in every way um it's just different experiences one you know? love, one love. <laughs> so thank you for asking because I appreciate the opportunity to be able to to yeah. tell in case anybody thinks I just, you know, got handed a whole bunch of money and started this company. <laughs> now they know.
0: Um, well, the question originally was who or what inspired you to become a business person. Pain. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> pain. <laughs> Unadulterated pain. Yeah. Um <clears throat> for you it was pain. Uh <laughs>
2: Shout out to pain. <laughs> and so,
0: for all of you who are in pain or have experienced pain and feel like that's holding you back um, or preventing you from moving forward, you know,
2: just start a business.
0: Just start a business. It'll be okay. <laughs> oh <my> God, <laughs> no, but I'm for sorry. real, um, you know, humans are incredibly resilient and powerful. And so, uh, you know, just don't give up on yourself. And, um, you know, for myself, uh, oh, I'm sorry. And for Jay, it was a natural, uh, entrepreneurial spirit. Um, seeing a community role model, like do her thing. And then, uh, being clear about what you love to do, but putting in the work of like learning the game of all the different positions, um, for myself, I uh, I was fortunate to be raised in a family where I had uh, women entrepreneur role models. My aunt and my grandmother um, were both entrepreneurs. Um, and I think my grandmother um, in the long run has been the biggest uh, influence on my life. But when I was little, Um, my Aunt Debbie, I wanted to be like her and it wasn't because, uh, this sounds so shallow and Aunt Debbie, (laughs) if you're watching, I'm so sorry. It wasn't because like her personality was so cool or it was because like Aunt Debbie was balling, yo, (laughs) like her life, like her house and the cars that her family drove and the camps that her kids went to um they were like living it up compared to what me and my single parent family and shouting mama if you're listening i love you you did the best you could i love you so much thank you for (laughs) everything but um (laughs) you know there was like a huge huge difference in the quality of life between what my aunt debbie was doing and i knew And I'm sorry, Uncle Larry, if you're watching, but I knew it wasn't because my Uncle Larry, I knew it was my Aunt Debbie. Like she was the businesswoman, like she ran that house, she ran the business and she started her um, government consulting firm, like in the basement of her house. She used what she had, but like Jay Mills. She had started as a secretary um, at a company and, like, worked her way up in every single position until she became the president of ODS, Old Dominion Systems. And then she ran that for, I don't know, 15 years. And then they uh, closed. And then she started her own and is, you know, I just always see her do that and her dream was you know to have a big house and be able to take care of the family and vacation all the time and you know and she's done that she's gotten every single thing that she wants out of life um but uh make no mistake about it the only thing i ever saw my aunt debbie do was work you know like i didn't i didn't she wasn't taking those vacations and stuff like that in the beginning. Like when I was a kid, she was always at work and her children, you know, they felt that they totally felt that, you know, they missed her. They needed the attention. Yeah. Um, but she was about building her business. Um, and she's incredibly successful. Um, but it was really my grandmother who was, uh, in the long run, like I said before, the biggest influence on my life and she um she she was just very different um than my aunt Debbie um in terms of how she ran her business it felt more like organic and natural like my grandmother she had a series of bed and breakfasts, and so again she was always working within the home um but her talent was beautifying things and making people feel comfortable it wasn't like if it didn't feel like she was working all the time. It felt like she was partying and like hosting guests, you know, and just beautifying things. And she was always pointing out like the beauty of everything, you know, and I just liked that. And she was always stylish and fashionable. And I think what I learned from her was that if you're hospitable to people and you make people feel comfortable... They come back and they spend their money with you like again and again and they tell other people um, to patronize your business or try you out. So my grandmother, you know, she didn't she didn't I don't think she had like a deep business plan. She didn't have committee meetings with a team of people. It was like her, my mom, my uncle um, and uh, like us cleaning the businesses, you know. (laughs) And, uh, her praying on it, you know, that she would have business and just doing what she was good at, what she was passionate about. She just was, I felt like she was always lucky, you know, and that used to irk my mom. Like, she's always so lucky, you know, something always works out for her. Why can't that be for us? But I think it's because my grandmother just like, no matter what good or bad happened, she's always did the output. She right, just, just always kept going. doing it, no matter what happened, and things would going. work out. She had that spirit, yeah. you know. I mean, I believe that.
2: I that has a lot to do with uh, with One Love, you know, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, especially coming out of that that fog and like not knowing what was going on. Yeah. Uh, you know, like not like One Love from two thousand nine to two thousand, you know, seventeen. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole different, not a whole different company. Like the, the, the baseline is still the same, but. The city's changed so much, but you just you just keep you keep going. You just keep getting better at what you're doing. And then I hate to quote my dad, but you just got to stay in the moving forward program. And if you just keep yeah. working like sh- it's not luck. It's it's hard fucking work, you it's know what I mean? It's hard work. Sometimes yeah. you
0: don't always have, you know, like the you don't you don't always necessarily need, you know, like a business plan or everything worked out, but you got to keep going right. forward with your dreams and you learn and then you document that. Yeah, I mean, you
1: know? Um, With with me and my family, one thing that I've always been taught is that it always takes work. And to the outside eye, it's always going to look like it's an overnight success. Mm -hmm. But they will never see how long you worked behind it. And um, while my mother is a doctor, my uncle is a musician, and um, he used to play in James Brown's band. Like That was one of his first oh, wow. gigs back in the day. Ow. He was one of the first black composers of a major symphony. He's been all over the world. He used to be married to Regina Bell this when I was black little. Black history right here, and y'all. What, what, like what, what? Regina Bell sang at my parents' wedding. And I remember when what? Aladdin came out, I was like, oh, my God, that's my Aunt Regina. That's so awesome. <laughs> I was so young, but... You know, a whole new world. If I could, yeah, that That was all the way around. That was it. I mean, that's dope.
2: (laughs) Shake,
0: shake.
1: It is, but again, you know, all the work that Mm -hmm. it took behind the scenes, and he was the one that talked about how, like, Luther Vandross was in the business for something like twenty-eight years right as a background singer Mm -hmm. before he finally got his break Mm into the outside world it seemed like he was just an overnight success Mm -hmm. and with every successful person it's always like that it seems as if they just popped up out of nowhere but what you don't know is that behind the scenes there's decades of work even if it's american idol and it seems like they just walked into a competition and Fantasia just randomly won. And then you go back and no, she didn't. Like she was just
2: walking down the street no. and randomly yeah. wandered She's into She's been it. singing no. hustle. her whole life. She was in the back mopping and they were like,
1: you. Right. No. <laughs> and even if that was a person, you still don't know how much work went right. into the crafting of that art. Because hustle beats talent every day of the week 365
0: mm, mm, mm. hustle beats talent y'all y- yeah 24 so, so i have this
2: friend adoria doucet and adoria doucet is the most magical human being i've ever met in my life she's from new orleans she was there when snoop was handing out demo tapes. she was there when biggie got shot like the woman is like and she doesn't drink so she has this like bulletproof crazy descriptive memory she can paint the picture like, I know the whole scene of when Biggie got shot, because she's described to me to, with such detail and accuracy that I felt like I was actually there. And I spent a lot of time with her in my, in my 20s, you know? And she greatly, greatly influenced who I am as a human. But I can't remember the point of this. What did, what did you say right before that? <laughs>
1: Damn it damn it it's always taking a bunch of time it's not an overnight success indeed but i don't
2: don't remember what i'll remember in like a minute it's fine Uh, jay mills gave me like seven ounces of dc as fuck and i'm tongue-tied yes Adoria Dussat.
0: She, you're talking right. about how she never drank anything. Like never, she was so straight. Never. Oh,
2: I remember now. And so I spent <laughs> a lot of time with her in the in my early 20s or in my my whole 20s. And she used to run the VIP at Platinum and DC Live. Oh shit! And she would just drag me out and be like, "Molly, this is new. Molly, this is whatever." Right. And so I met all these.
0: Wait. Yeah. Snoop was at Platinum. Oh, dude, Snoop, all those guys. I don't like, remember yeah. Snoop being a Platinum. Girl. I was trying to be a Platinum all the time. Girl. I don't remember Snoop Dogg. No, in the VIP. In the VIP. In the no, VIP. I wasn't in the yeah. VIP. Definitely not.
2: Outcast. Everybody you can think of. But anyway, the point of this story is I met a whole group of really famous people during that time period, and the one thing that they all had in common was not talent, but like dogged determination.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: If, mm-hmm. If they were willing to work. Even Snoop. Like... He's arguably the most famous person in the world. You go to China, fucking anywhere, people know who he is, right?
0: He was at my party this past Saturday. Was he? No, he wasn't. On TV. I had the GGN (laughs) that on the whole time. It was dope though. It was like he was there. Like he was just in the background. But he could be like, Snoop is mad cool
2: like that, dude. He's on broadcast. Dude, that's the hardest working dude in that whole, come on, man.
0: One of our family members has a cardboard cutout of Snoop Dogg. (laughs) in their garage like where they play cards and have parties and stuff it's pretty awesome dude he's
2: actually a super (laughs) nice guy he's actually a really nice person he is legitimately i met him i have a whole story about that but we'll talk about that snoop
0: on dog time. y'all uh one day he'll be here on the m M&M m show with he us. will please. actually i'm gonna hit him up
2: Like,
0: please bring snoop Dogg on the Eminem show oh my god that would be crazy it would be
2: amazing would there'd be, be even more weed smoke than there are even more now when I just, he's
1: in dc we gonna make it happen yes if it's on are. A tuesday we might be able to here. get george
2: clinton up in here too that would be incredible, dude. Adoria, man, Adoria Duset introduced me to a lot of. Let me
0: not get too excited. Let's see. Let's let's see.
2: Just I'm just trying to shout out Adoria Dusset. <laughs> We're for supposed being to be talking about
0: being human. entrepreneurs, y'all. I mean Adoria. I mean, I'm getting all distracted about Steve Dog and George. Being Clinton. an
1: entrepreneur is crazy. Yeah. I have this line in a rap song where I say, "I'm a boss. I don't call and I call off." And I think that's the hardest part About being a boss <laughs> That when you're working for somebody You can call in oh, I'm sick Sorry. I don't feel like doing this shit I got a cop I'm uh, out I don't, uh. I don't think that that's easy shit. Depending on the job you have At the end of the day shit. You are Life goes on You
0: are afraid to be fired And lose yeah. your job a lot of times Like shit is real There's like, a like, difference
1: it between it Losing your job And losing your business
0: Yeah. Well,
1: the weight your, uh,
2: yeah losing your job you're like fuck yeah i hate that job anyway it or like oh shit
1: well, i gotta get another job i'm, I'm gonna apply business. oh maybe i'll get unemployment I think because it they depends fired if, if me it depends are, on the person it
0: depends, depends on, the person. on the person if you're holding down a family and what kind I'm of i'm not saying that
1: losing know. a job is easy I'm, yeah. I'm or that taking off work i'm just saying is for easy. the people who
0: are listening it like, might be there like there are a whoa, whoa, lot whoa. of
1: folks no but still if you're like whoa whoa at the end of the day if you call said, off whoa, whoa, for whoa. your job, you the that? work I'm an entrepreneur, I'm in your position at the, at the end of the day, if you call <laughs> off from your job, the work is still going to happen. They're going to find somebody else to do your fucking job. Right now. There are some jobs and shout outs to anybody that has gone to a HBCU because I know you have gone to the office of something to try to get something handled. And the one person that can do your job <laughs> is at lunch is out for the day it's unavailable every time and this is also synonymous with dc government which is also synonymous with the real government (laughs) in terms of getting things speaking of
2: which so like i submitted a thing to the city services because the sidewalk is caving in because of the rat traffic on this building so if you go like 10 feet down from our storefront the sidewalk's caving in Mm -hmm. i put in a request And they were like, we got you. We will fix this. The estimated completion date is September 2019. What? Sweet. Son. (laughs) There
0: won't be a sidewalk (laughs) by 2019. We're going to be living in a rat tunnel. Um, so we were talking about uh, <laughs> challenges of being entrepreneur. Yes. I think you were talking about challenges, all of them, and
1: how you got you got to call off important shit if, when you're a boss. If you can't come in, they you, it's a whole different weight of planning a vacation or taking a sick break or even having lunch and or, sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> It's a it's a it's a completely different weight when you are the dreamer, and um I was talking to a friend of mine today about how, you know, entrepreneur life. We go back and forth, wistfully thinking of the days in which we just got a dependent paycheck.
2: Nah, fuck that! I don't ever want to go back because then they own your soul. They you gotta,
1: do, and I laugh and mm. I remember why I don't do it anymore. Yeah, nah. But you gotta I do to go to the doctor. The whole None. idea. That I know how much I'm getting paid in the day that I'm getting that money, I don't like it. It's cool. I don't
2: like it because it's if,
1: great for budgeting.
2: If I'm getting a check on the same time all the time, I'm getting significantly underpaid for the work that I'm doing. That's what that means to me. I don't like it at all
1: that hey that's you for me and this the type of grind <laughs> that I have, depending on people to pay what they owe or to do what they said they're going to do to buy what I hope they're going to buy, you know, to do all these different things. It's just, it's not as definite. I'm, I miss the definite. I miss the, the I'm gonna get X amount of money and I know that I can budget it. I don't, all I have to do is be there and this is gonna come to me.
0: So that's a challenge. How do you deal with that reality? How do
1: you continue doing the work? I recall that this is my dream and that I used to spend that time working for somebody else's dream. And I can either spend my life making somebody else's dreams come true Or I can spend my life Making my own dreams come true Mm -hmm. Um, That's really what led to my um, Creation of The Green Life And Good Greenery Consultants And Green Maidens LLC Those are my Oh and Mighty Jamaica Signing on in contract to partnership With that company But um, as an artist If you're going to dream If you're going to be a dreamer you got to understand certain things. And I want to say a quick shout out to... Um, oh, my goodness. The alchemist. Hmm. Paulo Coelho. I'm, I may be saying his name.
2: But it sounded good, wrong. so I'm cool
1: pa- with it. Paulo. Somebody <laughs> knows it for real. I,
2: you do a little extra salt I'm on that. Paulo
1: Coelho. You've never read The Alchemist. No, if you are a person who dreams with your eyes open if you have ever dreamed at all realize you are in the minority if you are a dreamer okay if you dream if you want something if you have ideas of greater than what you see before your eyes the alchemist is the book for you it's very short it's under 200 pages long it might be under 150 pages long. It is very, very short. So you recommend? I've recommended. Presidents have read. read. This. If you Google the Alchemist, you'll see a list of almost every celebrity you can name that has read this book. It's like the prayer of Jabez. but the Alchemist is the allegory of the walk that any dreamer will have upon their journey. It starts off with the beginner's luck that you have. When you first set apart, set a path for your dream, it's gonna be easy at first. It's gonna be like, oh shit, yes, the universe, this is right. I was right to quit my job. I was right to do X Y Z because this happened and I met this person and da 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 da, da. Yes, I knew this was right. But immediately after that, <laughs> <laughs> React <laughs> it's gonna come back. Like, how bad do you want it? right brick wall brick wall. how long can you wait for it Mm -hmm. how hard will you work for it
2: how many people you not willing to listen to
1: exactly how many
2: people are you willing to tune out exactly all of everything how do you know which ones to tune out right some of them are good and some of them are not that's what i'm doing how to
1: listen to your heart separating Mm -hmm. your heart from your mind how to get them to listen to each other all of these things are happening in this short ass book about a little boy who had a dream and decided that he was going to listen to it Mm -hmm. he had been having this dream he had been having this thought he had been having this recurring and he finally was like i'm going to talk to somebody about this and that is the life of the dreamer such it is it will start in your mind it will haunt your dreams your thoughts and your everything it will permeate everything inside you until you have to tell somebody like yo i got this idea i got this i got this dream i got this thing you know and from that point on i mean again the alchemist i highly 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 recommend it's up there with the bible in terms of books that have changed my life,
2: slightly more accurate, I'd like to. Add. I
1: would definitely say that as well <laughs> without anyone <laughs> thinking that I'm being blasphemous, but because of its conciseness, because it is so short. And it still is so do you long. Have, do you have a copy? I have it on my phone.
0: Oh, so I can just download it? We can download you it on the phone? You can download it from oh, the internet. Available. If you have, I'm getting it right get now. Yeah. You can probably just speak into the I air. have it on my I phone. I have show. read this
1: book so many times. <laughs> I know quotes. Like, this book is crazy. I mean, I've but ha- heard of it, certainly. If we're going to talk about entrepreneurship, then that is talking about living on your dreams. Cause, because first thing you got to know, and they say that in the book, is that everybody doesn't dream. Everybody right. doesn't dream. Everybody doesn't dream. They don't. Some people go to sleep. They, nothing happens. They just wake up.
2: Well, no, and I mean, it, and dream is defined by a lot of things. Well, like, yeah. Like I know for me, like for one love, I mean, I, I traveled across the country going to see live music. I went to a lot of events. In the back of my mind, I was like, I feel like this could be done better, you know. So it wasn't always necessarily about a dream for me, but just like rec- that is a dream, recognizing Seeing or a What is
1: not here because invention? I mean, necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. You see a need. But other people don't see the need. Yeah. Well, that's- Many mm-hmm. people accept the need. Exactly. They exactly. just like, that's the way it is. Few are the one who says, hey, why is this like this?
2: Yeah. I, you know, and I tell people all the time, it's like, if you ever think about throwing a music festival, you're kind of fucked because like most people don't ever think about that. I you know? know. But like, a, like I'm talking about like a hundred thousand, like, you know what I'm saying? Like whatever it is you might think about. Right. Not everyone. Like you said, not everyone dreams. It's the same thing. Like plenty of people love fashion would never think to open their own bit. Like not everybody thinks the same way. And it's like being an artist, if you can sing or you have a talent, like you're low key kind of fucked because you're obligated to the universe to share that gift. And then you have to struggle between staying away out of your, the way of your own ego and your own insecurity to deliver that gift. It's a blessing and a curse to be an artist. Like you're an artist. You're an alien. I am. I know you are. I know you are then I love aliens. <laughs> this, is, this is not a thing. You know, this is this is a, the utmost compliment I could ever give anyone Thank is that you're you. an alien. I'm not
1: offended no, at all.
2: And, and I know you are not. I mean, because you are an alien. You are, you are a yeah. magical fucking human being Thank that you. is not like anyone else I have ever met. And you have acknowledged your gift, you know what I'm saying? And you've made it work for you. But a lot of artists are tormented by that, and I feel for them. I can't sing. I know what my gift is, and I do that. And I'm tormented by my own gift, right? Right? But as an artist, you have it worse because you have to like bare your soul and express yourself on stages with microphones, and that's got to be really fucking hard.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I feel like as an artist, well, I- even in art, there there are artists and there are entertainers, and in the rare instance where you find both, there you find the timeless icon, and let's hope they don't die too young. I know, right? But few. Few, 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 few. Few are both. Most are one or the other, and that's where we're at right now. You have artists; they're dope as fuck. They're talented as shit, but they don't have no brand. They don't have no photographer. They don't care about what people say. They don't promote themselves. They don't be tweeting like that. They don't even like social media. They don't do none of that shit. And then you have some whack. Right, just killer. who got t-shirts keychains posters stickers they got a squad they got 50 people that's gonna show up wherever the fuck they go they got videos they got they boot they got everything they they are here for that they don't care they'll buy the beat they'll pay for the producer they'll pay for this they'll pay for the feature they'll pay for the writer to right. make them dope they don't give a fuck yeah they're here for the light that's it they're like, I'll make the art happen. Fuck that shit.
2: <laughs> yeah, because different people are motivated by different things. That's what they you are. Know. But I mean, art,
1: art hurts. Like, as an artist, like, I've been writing since I was in the third hurts. grade. It was poetry. I remember the first time that I did my poetry, it was at Bar None. Shout out to Bar Nun, the sound yeah, poets. Bar being None. 18, fucking one <laughs> light bulb on a string. Right. It was so textbook, open mic, like, hot in brick walls in a basement sharing my poetry and Jabari them on the djembe hopping into the cadence in my poetry that came from the beat of my heart and having a band come into that and accompany that and just show the I just never had heard I, I will never forget how that felt yeah. taking something that I had just written in my feelings and having the music come and complete it yeah. and I was a tomboy when I first started music I was Jamila I wasn't even trying to rap I was like I'm a poetry chick like beats just happen to fuck with my rhymes <laughs> <laughs> And Classic that was my channels. thing like I just I just showed up at the spots and then um you know just let the just, band just, just rock with it me. out. It was a while until I started even thinking of hooks. It took a long time for me to come into the entertainment, to understand the brand, right. to give a fuck about people who were not a thought when I started writing because my heart was bleeding. Like, I don't write for nobody else, right. I write for me. So I know what that is <laughs> hard because art in and of itself to even happen does not give a fuck about nobody else whether it's drawing poetry painting it comes from a very personal isolated space and i think you know on a tangent I don't know how long I'm talking but thinking about hip hop and the entrepreneurship of that art and how so many artists also don't understand business and end up getting fucked over for their art thank you ninety nine point ninety nine 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 percent of the
2: time actually there's like a there's a there is a ratio in there somewhere there are artists that don't know the business and therefore they get fucked and then there are artists who don't know the business and then fuck themselves because they act mad unprofessional from jump street and fuck up every opportunity and disrespect yep. everyone that helps them. Yep. So, and it's all coming from a place of yep. ignorance and not yep. knowing and I yep. dig that, but it is not all people being taken advantage of. Trust nope. me, it is you not are right. like a bunch of fucking <laughs> slaughtering of innocent lambs. It is a two-way street. It
0: is a nope. two-way street. Yep. It is struck a chord here yes. that's yeah. why i said that f- i mean I like, guess if, if you're gonna talk
1: about ownership in the art industry which we both are in yes we gotta talk about the business it's of real. music it's from real. the artist perspective yes how do we sabotage ourselves well let me let that's me let me
0: ask you ladies a question because you know i'm the facilitator here <laughs> yeah. trying to for those who are watching and enjoying this ride hopefully you can still like you know gather some points of what are you talking about wisdom from love this. The show. so what what i want to know is what? um what is it like you know like honestly it's, it sounds kind of weird to me that you know an artist can have an artist mind and a business mind i'm um, not saying that it's like your living example but like how does that actually work you Dude, know like life. I, isn't that like left brain right brain Cause, it like, is isn't it that
1: life it is very difficult it's probably why i'm not further like yo shout out to motherfucking pinky killer corn shout out to risa renee Love shout this. out to the mc shout out to t's fever shout out to my girl empress i had to shout out the lady first and i could go ahead and talk about him c's but we don't even use that word so i won't
0: are they all um these are all business entrepreneurs as well they're as all
1: really great artists, artists yeah. that are amazing and artists. they have great business yes. people around them around and them. I'm not saying that they're not good in business because clearly because they know how to choose good people who are in business, that means they are smart to the business, but I'm shouting them out because they are really diving into their art, and I sometimes feel like that that may be the sacrifice. That I've made in choosing to focus on the business. Like, I love how Pinky just wakes up Pinky. And every time you see her, she's Pinky. And how with these artists (laughs) that dive into the entertainer, the Prince, the Michael Jackson, the Beyonce's. When you really, really, truly can dive into the artistry and the business. Man, you 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 got yourself some some serious, amazing,
2: but here's shit right there. So how do you balance that? That's on a human level because look, like no one has the right and left brain of their lives worked out right. No one. So lots of people have jobs that are difficult and put them on the spot, but they don't end up with like people clapping at them and getting paid for that, right? Like, everyone is on that fucking spectrum of, like, having to be two different people. Like, like not to sound like a BuzzFeed article, because that shit isn't mad annoying. But, you're about but like, I'm a fucking introvert, too. If you took me to a place that I didn't know anybody, I'd be in the corner, and then I'd dip. I would find a way. Like, I'm not the person... Every Like, we are all constantly balancing. So whether you're an artist and a business person, or you are a... Um, someone's, uh, you know, CFO or working for somebody else and this, or whether you're a husband and an employee or a, like everyone, or a family member, or a mother, all these things, like, no, like, that's the duality of life, like, it's never perfect for anyone, with artists, it's just such a more raw expression of themselves, and it leads them so much more open, because the average person isn't gonna go through the McDonald's drive-thru, or get an insurance quote, and then at the end, be like, you know, I really didn't like the way you did that, but, like, with artists, people feel compelled to be like, I didn't like your set, or I didn't like that song, or I did like that song, so it's a lot of, like, public judging and you're really putting yourself out there but at the end of the day everyone is dealing with that duality of life and trying to be things that they're not comfortable being you know what I mean like you could be really good at business but suck at relationships on any level you could be a great mom but a terrible friend you know what I mean like that's that's the reality of life and I feel like While it's important to acknowledge that with artists, it's also important to not dwell on that and use that as, like, an Achilles heel. Because at the end of the day, you know, like, you can be both. You can be just knowledgeable enough about business to be okay. Because no matter what in your life, you should never just go blindly into being, like, ah. (laughs) You should always have some awareness of what's going on. You should always whether it's in love, or in business, or anything. Well,
0: well if I may pull out a gem of uh, what yes. you just said there. Um, there were many gems, but one in particular <laughs> yeah. for, uh, for young people, especially, uh, who are aspiring entrepreneurs, or you know, want to have independence of th- your own life. Uh, you're going to have to do things and learn things that are uncomfortable right Mm -hmm. everyone does yeah and you know this is something survival skill this is yes and this is something that um, I just I think is really really important Um, especially especially for young people right now and I say this because I recently had um, you know my nephew and he's 15 and you know he just he's a millennial and I love Millennials but you know, he just doesn't – he he wants to be an entertainer. He wants to be a rapper or a football player, <laughs> do very ambitious things. But I want to support his dreams in doing that. I'm not going to be the person that tells him not to do it. But he doesn't like to do things that are uncomfortable or that are hard to, like, learn, you know? Yeah. And so I think it's just so critical, whether it's in uh, becoming – a business owner or just in life in general uh you know those of us who manifest our dreams are the people that are able to do and learn what's uncomfortable or overcome what's difficult um which
2: essentially we're all doing every yeah. single day right like we're mm-hmm. all trying to do better absorb this world on mm-hmm. a like, global you know? level and be uncomfortable, but still persevere and still be the best person that we can be you know? for
0: me it's I hate administration i I mean I don't like documenting receipts and uh mm-hmm. you know like entering things in a timely fashion and quickbooks, you know, Nobody but does. I know it's like so critical and important to be able to make sound financial decisions. Um, to do those things, you know, so my advice to, um, I think this is something that Jay, like you had brought up with some of the other artists you shout out with, if it's, you know, you got to learn those things, you got to at least learn them and be aware. But if it's something that you're just like, you know, this is not where I shine, then surround yourself with the people who are good at that. And, you know, rely on them, build out a team of, uh, of people um that you can that are happy helping you out and share your yeah. vision and, and uh
2: and, and maybe not even necessarily a team but like the friends in your life or influences right like i did who, who knew because I, I i thought you guys knew each other when i like reached out to both of you you know about this well actually i think i posted and you had both responded but low-key i really just wanted to do the podcast with i you didn't too, anyway. know her then and i didn't realize that you guys didn't know each other and i think it's awesome and i super value like our time together every week and I always feel more grounded and better uh, about life in general it really really helps so yeah take take, you know I love you too
0: take, although yes I love us <laughs> but this isn't like running a business together necessarily I'm talking about for like entrepreneurs and stuff and I don't know you, you know because just dismiss I, our friendship she like did. That like, <laughs> like, that's how <laughs> cool uh, mom, didn't. That's I like, didn't I recognize it about. I recognize it and uh, then I, I pivoted <laughs> I'm sorry that's, I recognize. I recognized you know, I recognize. like teared up a little bit and shit <laughs> well I mean cause never again it made me you think you know like sometimes doing business with friends is good other times it it has is not so good
2: but you know i'm just saying like going out there and forging new like create create the universe you want to live in you know what i mean create the universe you want to live in
1: i mean business with friends is like fucking a friend in fact business and fucking is just the same really
2: it's a lot of fucking
1: can you expand <laughs> this this <laughs> analogy is not my own it was given to me by one of my most influential business mentors, and I don't want to do him injustice by by saying it wrong. But because when he told me it, he was like, "This is some priceless game I'm giving to you." So okay, well, <laughs> so all I'm gonna say you can is paraphrase that paraphrase for a, us. But think about it like that. If you thought about business like fucking. And maybe if you thought about fucking like business. Whoa, now.
0: Yeah. I just don't. Whoa. I'm Not there. I'm. Oh, not we just there. got deep right there. Maybe
1: we should be there because it's the same thing. I'm not there. It's the that? same. Teach me, J Mills. I don't
0: thing. get it. Teach me, J Mills. Does anyone else not get it? <laughs> oh my gosh Don't look
2: Who at them boys. Get they get it.
1: People get it.
2: You guys get it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't my business mind is, is like, like the game is no, to be so sold and never just ever blew told my mind,
0: per usual.
1: Per usual. I'm going to keep it on the other side of the allegory because that would be a different conversation <laughs> than the flip side, which is how business is like fucking. But you I guys, think I'm like a really literal person. If I can say like, how fucking is like business, the reason why fucking is like business, is because first of all, fucking is never frivolous. How no. about that? You want to try and play around and act like the fucking you doing ain't going to have no consequences. You don't know who you fucking with. You ain't do your research. Hmm. You fuck with somebody and you don't know who they are. Business wise or even fucking wise. Like it's, it's the same fucking fuck thing. It it's your body. Mm-hmm. It's your life. It's your house. It's Liability. your car. It's these things. You fuck with the wrong person. Next thing you know, you got somebody fucking with you. Or you might got some shit you didn't even know Because you was fucking with a dirty motherfucker Now you got some shit That you gotta deal with On your own time On your own thing You gonna find out on your own they, did, did they tell you But if you did your fucking research There you have it oh, man. Before you decided to fuck them it's Just like business boom. Then maybe you would know what they were about. Maybe you would know who they were dealing with. You Maybe you would know about their past dealings. Maybe you would even know if they were clean. If they had any shit going on. They got that monkey on their back.
0: <laughs> i guess i mean this all makes really really clear sense yeah before i had thought more of it as like <laughs> more of a marriage but i
1: ha that's the type of relationship you can have once you realize who you fucking with right well, maybe it's a hoe
0: well yeah. maybe you
1: realize after you do your research well, sometimes there's no way I can forever engage myself exactly, with this entity.
0: Exactly, but what I
1: will do, because hoes are fun. hoes have their place. If you want to, you can fuck with a hoe You can be like, you know what, bitch? I'm about to have fun with you tonight. <laughs> I'm about to, yeah, use you because you be real known in these streets or whatever. You a little hot chunk, you know what I'm saying? I'ma fuck with you. <laughs> I don't know about I'm that. I'm going to fuck with I you for know this little joke right here. you going to get me a little hot in the streets, but I can't fucking wife you, bitch, because you're too hot. Oh, my God. I Jesus. don't know who you be fucking oh, with. Oh, shit. Hey, hoes have their place. That's all I'm saying. I love
2: how you the know, blonde
1: just brings <laughs> all the sass. <laughs> right. Blondes have
2: more fun. The no, <laughs> right to you know, the this
1: top. is
0: this,
1: this is business, but this is fucking. But fucking, know, fucking is business. It's
0: true, but this is this is actually something I was thinking about the other day. like <laughs> The use of the word hoe and bitch and queen, and, like, where do I stand on the spectrum, you know? Because I, in my mind, in my heart, like, I want every woman to be a queen. They're not. I really do. <laughs> They're not. I really do. I try to. I'm like, every woman, every woman were. has dignity. Yes, they do. They do. But, yeah, then sometimes.
1: Some bitch have no cooth.
0: Sometimes. <laughs> they
1: couthless.
0: <laughs> sometimes it's hard to defend, you know? They cootless.
1: Who can find a virtuous woman for her price? Uh is far above rubies is one of my favorite passages favorite the passages bible. in the bible because that that right there bed. lays out a couple things you know who can find a virtuous woman starts off saying that every motherfucker can't find her so who first of all who's even looking for who among you can't even find a virtual a virtuous woman that's the first declaration right there that as a good woman you got to understand one everybody ain't looking for you okay so then for her price is far above rubies they don't even set a price on her because she's priceless that just lets you know that she's worth more than however much you have
0: so basically in the bible it's saying there's a few virtuous queens and everyone else is a hoe it says
1: beware of the immoral woman but it tells you that more time and time again like we've talked about this on a whole other thing oh my yeah. gosh I'm not even trying to get that metaphysical I know this is another right show
0: talk like M- M- OMG women are show.
1: goddesses do you have a good witch or a bad witch yeah nah. this is another show topic <laughs> queen <laughs> versus <laughs> hoes understand like what it all that it is two different things cause how would you even this. know a good one if you have never seen a bad one that's what happens with men they won't have a good one and dog her ass the fuck out because they don't even know what they got then they be like bad bitch bad bitch fuck up bitch bad bitch for trifle bitch oh shit damn i had a good one and she was real good she ain't never they try and call her but you done fucked her up i just feel so now she bad all of this it's horrible just, you're like, married really why would can... you
0: feel whatever you already because i'm in solidarity fucking... with women you're married general. you're not in
1: solidarity with women well once you yeah, join the married touch crew my husband. exactly but, but you have a husband
0: but i'm saying <laughs> and you have amazing
1: purple there are like those with husbands oh, okay. and there are those without but we need <laughs> like to talk, about we talk about this binomial nomenclature well, among women We come in breathe. Mills breaking
0: it all the way down. It's a
1: fact. It's a horrible fact. Like, men are complexly simple. Women are simply complex. It's like cats and fucking dogs. And And if you've had a dog, you know you could train a dog. If you had a cat, you know you better get a good cat. Because if you get a wild cat... You just, just better get another out. cat. Because <laughs> there's no training a cat. That is true. You better hope you got a good breed. Yeah. Well, I, I, feel nice.
0: confla- I feel conflicted <laughs> about these analogies. But, you know, we're going to talk about this yes. another day. What we're going to do uh, right now. How
1: did we even get here?
0: I don't know. It's, I'm like, I got to bring it back. I got to bring it back for us. So, That's you know, we've <laughs> <laughs> we've had a lot of wisdom nuggets here today. If you could just. Pull them out of (laughs) the magic bushel train ride all around. I don't even know where we're at right now. Outer space. We got here, though. We did have some nuggets, though. Women. Women. We did have some nuggets. All women aren't good. No, no. All people don't dream. I mean, those are nuggets, but those are not the (laughs) wisdom nuggets that I wanted to... bring out <laughs> so for real for real <laughs> wisdom nuggets okay wisdom nuggets yes entrepreneurial spirit you can have it at <laughs> any age anytime don't ever let anyone tell you you're too young or old to get your entrepreneurial hustle on wisdom nugget number Wait, one hold
2: on, one a be really comfortable with
0: failure yes b wisdom nugget number two As Molly Rulon said, be comfortable with failure. Not everything is going to be easy. You got to do uncomfortable tasks and learn new uncomfortable things. You're not going to be good at everything off the bat. and You're going to feel bad about yourself. But you're going to keep going. And that's wisdom nugget number three is to keep going. Keep doing the output. Keep working. Keep learning all the different positions that go into the leadership of your future as Jay Mills. Leadership
2: of your future.
0: You know what I'm saying? Like that was a serious wisdom nugget. (laughs) Learn all the different aspects of what you're trying to run one day. For real. What was another wisdom nugget? Number three. Number four, or five. LeBron. I, I think we're four, four A. Four A. <laughs> four A. This one is really important, folks. Four A. Fuck it. Four A is now number five. Yes. This is serious. <laughs> Executive decision making. <laughs> Executive decision. This is serious, you guys. I'm serious. In your life, you're gonna go through some good shit. And some real bad shit. Yes. And when you go through the real bad shit, you got to keep moving forward. Yes. Yes. You have to know that there is another side of that. Word to the Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. And you have to keep going. We had, uh, we had an emotional moment here with Molly telling us about what she went through with all of her surgeries back to back to back. And she...